Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas. Je vois la vie en rose. Hi, this is Marisha Trembetska for Love Your Creativity. And today's podcast is a special one, almost like a report, like I'm a, a, a journalist, which is eight lessons I learned from being at the Cannes Film Festival about being a successful creative. Now, this podcast doesn't really just cover those of us who are actors or filmmakers or producers, but I do believe the lessons apply to pretty well every kind of kind of creativity, whether you're a painter or a, a sculptor, a songwriter, a musician, the whole gamut, actually, because I, what I could see was really good learning curve for me. So here we go. Eight lessons. Now, obviously, we all think about can and we think glamour, we saw red carpet. I mean, I did three red carpets in four days. And to be honest, that third day when I didn't, I refused to go up. I was going, my hair needs a rest because <laughs> getting ready for the thing is the biggest ordeal. Uh, but this kind of leads me to to lesson number one, which is that. It's a business. It's the movie business. It's the business of making movies. And Cannes is the biggest marketplace in the world. There is the Oscars, of course, but the Oscar is one night for a very short, small amount of film. Cannes goes on for a week and a half, and there is a massive marché uh, market, market there, which basically where you've got everyone from sales agents, distributors, producers trying to uh, get funds for the next project. You've got the short film corner where you've got all these short filmmakers also trying to get talking to people about how they move up the curve. You have this huge amount of coverage of the film industry from the Harvey Weinstein Yacht and the Chopard Awards and, you know, all the great Palm Door movies and the the circus and the hoop de la around that from, you know, you can pop into the Martinez and borrow a dress if you're going to go up to all that very top end, the mystique of being a film actress all the way to the guy who's written a short movie at college and somehow won an award and then somehow got into Cannes. It's just so incredible. And it just reminded me again and also taught me to a deeper level. This is a business. This creative thing we do, yes, we might think I'm an actress. But at the end of the day, I have to understand myself as a brand. I have to understand myself as a cog in a wheel. When I'm singing at Royal Festival Hall, I'm just doing a tiny bit of that. But then someone else is writing the music, rehearsing the, the BBC String Orchestra, selling the tickets, all under the auspices of the South Bank in that way. But the truth is, there has to be people all along the way. And depending on where you are in your brand, in your reputation, in your CV, you might end up, as I certainly have, and probably will again, doing far more than you just do a little job that you think is correct. I mean, I, I started about two weeks before I went to Cannes a blog series called 100 Days of Being an Actress, thinking I'm going to really make the point that as a creative, I'm a bookkeeper, I have to watch my invoicing, even though I have an agent, you know, I have to think about travel expenses and all the things and how to um, do auditions for Skype or also do video auditions and then kind of edit them a little together so they don't look too bad, you know, just top and tail them. All the things that come from being a successful working creative, whether you are an actor or a, a musician, you do need to use the tools of your trade. And I just just really got thumped into me very hard. When you're in the marché with hundreds of production companies and sales agents and distributors and everyone running around from across the world buying product, you understand that 
also when people have a name it gets if you have our named actor it means that you are more likely to be attached to a project and then that project can get money to make itself it's it's a, it's a business and it's about reputation so i think it's a really good lesson to learn so that's lesson number one lesson number two was surrounding yourself with people who dream and take big action make makes you dream bigger by which i mean that i was in a place for 10 days and yes i was four parties a night and going to some ridiculous events including the hunger games party and a few others i actually didn't go to expendables because i just needed a night of sleep uh, rather than the three hours i was subsisting on but when you are surrounded with people that don't just dream and talk about this idea for a book they have this idea for a song this idea for a film but they they make it happen and then they try and sell it suddenly you you can't help but get excited and you you see yourself as a bigger human being so i've gone in there to can this year as an actor now obviously in times past i have produced because i've produced my own theater shows i've taken quite a few of my shows to the edinburgh fringe to montreal to brighton done lots and lots of gigs where i've booked the venue sorted it out done the marketing and then off we go but the last couple of years i've been focusing on being more of a straight actor and any singing stuff i've done has been kind of within the auspices of the royal festival hall or other groups i may be part of as opposed to doing my own productions but when you go and see these people, you know, I was talking to one uh, one producer and basically he had taken, last year he'd taken one film to Cannes. He was like a writer-director who'd also got involved in production and then also had two scripts under his belt that he was trying to hawk around. And then he ended up talking to, uh, he walked past this, um, I guess you'd call it like a stand in the, in the Festival Marche bit where there were some movie posters that looked very like the kind of thing he wanted to next make. So we had a conversation with them. That was last year. Now, a year on, he was able to have a proper conversation because now he's got a fully finished script and it looks like they're already promising to give him money. This is what happens at Cannes. People make deals. It's not just about the party, <laughs> although there's an awful lot of that. And I've gone into Cannes going, well, I'm about to make, I'm already working on my next solo theatre piece. I did eight minutes of it uh, a month or so ago and I'm doing 10 to 15 minutes more on July 8th in London um, at the Lost Theatre if people want to come and see it but I'm already thinking well if I've got 23 three minutes of theatre given I'm trying to be a screen actress large, largely why am I doing theatre but except for I love the, the whole sense of space of being with an audience but what I got from Cam was I went okay I am making the theatre piece because I love that audience reaction but why am I not also thinking maybe, well, I start thinking web series and then I start thinking short film. And somebody I know um, who, of Pukinasha Films, who was at their Deepak, he said to me about three days in, he said, Marisha, you should be a producer. And I said, don't swear at me. He was like, no, no. And I was like, why? He said, he said well, because you're really organised, you're good with the finance, you're, you're, you're really you're entertaining to talk to you've always got something to say and you'd, you'd be very organized in doing that and I was going really not my idea of fun but then suddenly I start thinking well I could make a short but then after another five or six days in Canon I stopped talking to producers I'm thinking well maybe I could make a feature so I've walked away from Can going yes I'm an actor but I think I'm an I know I am an actor who's going to make a film version of what my current show is whether that's a short or long I don't know but I've just 
it's just made me feel bigger. So I think you do need to look around to see who really inspires you to make you resize yourself almost. My lesson number three I learned from Can was from a really one-off five-minute conversation I had with a guy called James Hackings who um, directs and produces and writes. And he had, um, he's had some shorts in the past and now he's on his features. He was out there selling his features. And we had a, I have to say, a brilliant conversation, which was so much of what Cam was about for me, these one-off conversations, where I asked him about production and what he was doing. And he was saying to me that when he'd first started, he'd done four or five shorts. And it took him like a year. And, he, and then he made his first feature and, and now he's moved forward. But he said what he now realises, he should have been making a short every week, not four or five over a year. Because the point is, you'll always be editing and fiddling with these things. And it'll make 0.0001% difference in the end to what the sales are. It's all about making the mistakes and moving forward and getting better. He said he should have been making a short every, every week, which alarms me slightly because I'm thinking maybe one. <laughs> He then said, and he quoted Picasso at me, I just thought, oh, so brilliant. He said, Picasso had the right idea. He made th about 35,000 works of art in his life. Did one, went to the next, to the next, to the next. And I love that because we are all so prone to be hanging on to the perfection of our song, to our art. I mean, I wrote a blog post, of course, about, about you know, the, the famous Da Vinci um, post. Famous Da Vinci quote, which is, Art is never finished, it's only ever abandoned, uh, which I'll link to but in the show notes. But I just thought, yes, he is right. You, you just have to keep moving forward, except you're going to fail. But every time you go forward, you're going to be better. My fourth lesson from Cam is you have to do the work, or someone else will grab the opportunity. And this applies from you as a scriptwriter, from you as a as a painter, as an actor, to do in the press, to the sales. You can't ever give up on these projects. I had another one-off obscure conversation uh, with um, Edward Rastelli Lewis. I'd met uh, Mark and Duncan, two actors who'd come together, found a script. They were sick of getting typecast. And they'd managed to meet up with Edward and they'd produced this. They'd managed to get a quarter of a million pound funding and they're there with this new movie, The Caravan. I'll link to the show notes again. And I was having a chat to Edward because it was about two days into me thinking, oh, I could be a producer. Oh, even though it horrifies me, the thought, I could produce my own work because if I've written something, obviously I'd get a director in and I'd get a DOP in. I wouldn't be a one-man band, but I could actually put my head around producing something. And, and Edward was just, just so on it. I mean, he said to me that every time we miss an opportunity, someone else picks it up. And I just thought, and he's a quite, a, you know, a young guy in his 20s, already produced something like eight feature films or, something, or eight films. And I just thought, yes, that's why people have great careers, because they go forward and they believe we've got to grab it. So I have to thank Edward for that. And just re being so inspiring, making me think, well, maybe I can do it. I mean, what is, it, what is the thing that you are thinking of, but just too scared to do it? I mean, the mere idea of me producing a short is a nightmare. I've already gone, I'd never do it. But here I am. So that was lesson number four, I believe. I'm counting down. Yes, one, two, three, four. So, number five. Ah, this was an important lesson. This is a lesson I hadn't learned a few years ago, and I'm finally getting there. Lesson number five is that some live to party, others live to dream, some go to work. 
and that blagging can be an art form. So it's your choice on how you want to use your energy. So would you rather be at the Vanity Fair party as a success or as a ligger? The, the reason I say this was because I arrived in Cannes and had quite a few friends there, and some of whom, and some people I met, I was just shocked at the fact that the only thing they were interested in being at the Cannes Film Festival was literally crawling through bushes to get into parties, was RSVPing, trying to get in here, here, here. This was the sole pursuit of what they were doing. And it was very funny. Some of them had learnt to read... Um, guest it's backwards so they could uh, say they were a name on the list some of them uh, just pretended to, to know everyone or google who might be there i mean i could actually do an entire podcast on how to get into parties that can because i saw these people doing it but it was <laughs> it was oh my god mad what they were doing i very quickly went these are not people i need to be hanging around with not to say they weren't lovely they were but on a 24-hour basis i already have the party animal gym i'm a creative I will happily be cruising at three in the morning and then carry on as my very last night in Cannes actually proved, um, which resembled more like the, a hangover road movie than any kind of uh, normal night. But the truth is you have to choose where you use your energy. And I could see in Cannes there were three kinds of people. There really were the, those who were there to party. Uh, you know, from the girls standing on the sides of the road with invitation pleas at nine o'clock at night, beautifully dressed desperate to get up that red carpet which i've been up now a few times and yes it's it's beautiful but not enough to spend my life standing there with a signpost um there's also the people who are kind of trying to do purely work which is the people there are lots of deals being made you know you go around you're talking to the marshal you're talking to the producers you're saying here's my script can i get some funding who's going to listen i mean literally some people were so incredibly focused it put me to shame and there was the middle camp which was me most of the time which was those who um you know do I did do meetings and I went to talks and things, but also I did do a fair amount of partying. Some people only did the 6 to 8 p.m. partying, which is probably the most sensible. I mean, for the first four or five nights, I think I had three hours sleep and nearly killed myself. But it is about where are you going to use your energy? And I know that in life in the past, I've been really, I think it's the creative in me. If I don't have, if I'm not creating myself, then I'll put the, I'll put the drama everywhere, but on the page or on the stage, I'll be, dramatic friends dramatic relationships partying being all the things that we can be and and it's i've blogged about this before ernest Hemingway, no matter whatever happened with his various relationships and the drinking he'd always do a certain amount of work every day and i think can was a real sense of excess of the oh my god i'm going to this party the scottish party here and this party and have you heard and can we get on a guest list for literally it was that crazy so I just thought that, as you say, the, the lesson five was, for me, it's your choice and how you want to use your energy. At can or not, who are you going to choose to spend some time with? Lesson number six. Someone out there will love your work. On the second night of Cannes, on the Thursday, I ended up uh, on the uh, rooftop of the Martinez, which I think is probably the nicest hotel out there, apart from the Captain T Eden Rock, but obviously it's a bit further out. Um, it was the L'Oreal Unifrance 65th birthday party for Unifrance. Beautiful, best canapes I had all, all, uh, all thing, I believe. And I ended up having a conversation with a couple of other directors I knew, with Stephen Gaydos, who's now VP of Antifair. He's produced and written. And, I mean, just such a... He'd just come from co-hosting 
the Chopard Awards with Kate Blanchett. And I'm just an amazingly funny man and just obviously love people. But he was telling us lots of great stories about knowing Tarantino well enough that he'd interviewed him three times actually while he was actually making Reservoir Dogs. But he said, he said, I'll never forget the first time I met Quentin Tarantino. We had a meeting and I was talking to him about Reservoir Dogs. And um, Quentin got up to leave and just before he left, he went, he said, you know what? I love your film, Iguana. Now, Stephen Gaydus had made a film called Iguana, but as Stephen said, he said, I thought, I knew we'd only ever sold five copies on DVD. It was a complete... He said, and I, I then realised it sounded like Tarantino had actually bought all five copies on DVD because he said he was, re- he was talking, Tarantino, so much about these couple of scenes in it where this happened and that happened and how this was perfectly shot. This, obviously, and you, we all know that Tarantino was obsessed with movies, but the fact is that he was so obsessed with this tiny little movie called Iguana. I'll put a link in the show notes. It just reminded me that someone out there will love your work, and Stephen Gaylord was pretty amazing at that, at being really open. And There's so many tales at, at Can You Hear. I mean, um, lovely uh, friend of mine, Erica Larson, she's a sales agent. Uh, she's a works for a distribution company, and she does international sales. And... and I ever heard her say to someone, because someone was saying, well, what about a short film? It's really hard to make sell, sell you a short film. She said yes, but you know what? There was a short film made for um, uh, Sundance a couple of years ago. It made such a splash that they actually, Sundance themselves, gave them the funding to make the feature. He made the feature. And then the feature film was, was like one of the big breakout movies of Sundance last year. Because everyone sees dreams being made at Cannes. And also Dreams Crushed. And, you know, there's a hard stock of, can I get this movie into 16 territories? Du, 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 du. But it's like someone out there will love your work. I thought it was a great lesson. Um, and you've just got to keep finding them, which is, of course, why people talk about tribes. Lesson number seven, get your elevator pitch updated. I, on the very, on the Thursday morning, the first Thursday of Cannes, I was having breakfast, waiting for friends to uh, basically wake up, because um, I just come in late from Nice and um, I was on Joanne Le Pain, a lovely cafe having a most glorious French breakfast and I had my case and I said to the people at the next table would they mind watching my case and they were like uh, this very beautifully dressed Englishman older older English just dressed like like Ian Fleming actually just beautiful linen suit blue shirt I mean but you know for nine o'clock just quite exquisite and um he was joking about maybe selling things out of my suitcase. Anyway, I came back and there was a gentleman, there was another gentleman who started telling me who everyone was around the table. There was a very famous Turkish journalist. Uh, he didn't really say what he did, although I bumped into him later. He was a producer, obviously. And then the gentleman who was making jokes turned out to have produced eight Bond movies. And of course, they then asked me what I did. And I was a bit like, well, I'm an actor. But then I thought, well, really, not a great ele- elevator pitch. An elevator pitch, there's a blog post I'll link to. It's basically 10 seconds about you, a sentence, two. So it really made me go, well, what is mine? Because I know now I, I call myself a screen actress. I've done lots and lots. I've done like 25 screen projects in the last year and a half and two plays and sang a lot. But I now am starting to think, well, I'm an actress who is also producing a couple of things of her own work because I've already got two projects in my head and a couple more that are just terrify me beyond all existence I'm ignoring right now. Uh, there's a novel that I wrote a few years ago, and I'm thinking it would be better as a script than a book. So, <laughs> ah! 
that's me but get your elevator pitch so when someone says to you randomly in a cafe in an elevator whenever what you do don't just say i'm a painter you say well i'm a digital or i've just had a book published or i've just done this exhibition or i focus on this kind of reality get it done right so finally lesson eight networking is all about reconnection the reason I say this is because you arrive at Cannes and literally you're walking to a party. The second you start speaking to someone, the business cards will get shoved at you. And they get shoved at you even quicker when you're drunk. Um, or female. Or wearing something short, uh, which I didn't do much of. The shortness, not the femaleness. And, um, and actually you don't have a chance to really connect. And there was a couple of people earlier, in the early couple of days, I had really lovely conversations with and then I bumped into them later and it was nice but even the the, the gentleman on the breakfast of the Joanne Le Pan the day before I was at a party and there he was apparently put some money towards the the party and he said I was thinking about inviting you but I didn't I said well you didn't need to so. <laughs> but it, uh, on the day I think the first full day I was there I heard my my name mentioned it was an LA producer I've not seen in 10 years he used to date a friend of mine and 15 seconds after, I got another Marisha across the, this lovely beach um, bar. And it was a guy called Alex Kaufman, who I was in his feature film 14 years ago or 13 years ago, a long time ago. And he does a really amazing thing called Screen Lights, which I'll, I'm going to blog and maybe have a podcast interview with him now. Um, I mean, I've not actually seen this movie. I'm now a bit worried that I haven't seen the movie because, A, 14 years ago, I probably looked so much better than I do now um although he swears I don't look any different hmm. any different but um but also 14 years ago I wasn't the actor that I am now so <laughs> I think I might just get a copy he's promised me and put it away to my 65th birthday although I then about three in the morning that evening um but was talking to some random lady on the street who knew I said oh I've just bumped into someone I've not seen for 14 years and she went oh well who, well, who is he? And I said, it was from Monaco. And she went, oh. And it turns out she's seen the movie and apparently I'm the best thing in it. So now I'm really terrified. But, um, yeah, Cal was just so mad for that. But I bumped into producers I've not seen in years. I bumped into producer, the producer of The 50 Ways to Kill Your Lover, the line producer, um, not the executive, and who said to me that the show, that show we did, 50 Ways to Kill Your Lover, that's on at the moment in America and also in England, is currently the 15th most watched show in america on that prime starts prime time spot of wednesday at nine the truth is i'm bumping into people i don't know how many of the new connections i make well you know what i do know is i wasn't a show i think it's about you they see you they know you they understand you're in the industry it's the same with you are a painter it's not about turning up to all the other painters events and just getting trashed on the free wire but it's also about having sensible conversations with people who might be curating, who might be gallery owners, who may be press, who may be people who influence others. And it's not about that moment that day. It's about the reconnection. You see them today. I'll see them next year. People will know that I've met this time round who, who that, you know, if my name comes up in six months or a year, at least they know me. They've met me. It's, it, you know, I keep saying that these careers of ours are built on, they're built in steps. They're not built... I mean, okay, occasionally someone gets picked out of an obscurity. But that is the really the exception that proves the rule. Most of us, we build our careers step by step. And that's what I'm trying to do. It's why I was in Cannes. 
Um, and uh, I just have to say that I just really felt that I wasn't going to start doing the crazy, you know, the, the craziness of Cannes. Although I did have, um, <laughs> to wrap up, I had a wonderful story. I, I'd wandered into one of the parties. I think it was the Scottish party. I was on the bit where well, this one of these beach bars called Long Beach. And got in, obviously, because of my badge. And someone said, oh, you should meet so-and-so. He's a very big producer in, in uh, India. Well, I turned around and, I mean, I am six foot two in my heels. I'm 5'10", normally. And he must have been a very big, uh, metaphorically, producer. But in size, he was probably well under five foot. I towered over this man. Anyway, and he said to me, oh, um, are you an actress? I went, yes. He said, oh, give me your card. So we did the business card thing. He said, oh, because I cast a lot of Bollywood movies. And I had to laugh because I'm like me in a Bollywood movie. I'm blonde. I'm really pale. And I'm six foot two in heels. So I can't see me. And also I'm not like a, the ingenue 18-year-old. So I'm going to be playing what the mother... I mean, they've already made, and it's fantastic, Bride and Prejudice. You know, that fantastic kind of Indian Bollywood version of um, Pride and Prejudice. But, I mean, so where am I going with this? It's never going to happen. So I just laughed. And then he said, he said, oh, um, you must come with me. I can take you to all the red carpets and all the parties. And I was just thinking, well, oh God, here we go. Really? Do I look like I'm going to take that kind of line from you? But anyway, he said, oh, come out with me tomorrow. I've got some fantastic parties to go to. And I turned around to him and said, well, I'm going to the Hunger Games party. Where are you going? And quite frankly, the Hunger Games party was the biggest uh, event. I've got some photos, actually, which are on the, the website from it. Um, it was an amazing event. You know, secret shuttle, Mockingjay badge to be given to get on the shuttle, 45 minutes to cap Dante to get lost, and then the, the crazy shuttle back. Um, I mean, there's so many wonderful memories I've got from this can, and I've been twice before, but this time I definitely went with far more of a business, not like a crazy business head, and certainly not a you know desperate it was very much about i'm going to be there i'm going to connect i'm going to have conversations and i'm going to learn and so my kind of eight lessons really come from that because i was so clear so many times about how it all works so i'm just going to recap and just ask a couple of questions really for you about how you can work it so what in the creative business you're in remember lesson one it's a business from how it looks from the mystique of the business from whether it you know, it's Royal Academy or the Red Carpet or the Turner Prize or the Grammys and how much you can really, what what bit of the business do you not understand yet? Because I learnt far more about distribution this time than I ever really understood and and how everyone had a place in that and there's a blog post I'll attach to. Number two, surround yourself with people who dream and take massive action and that doing that makes your you dream bigger where can you dream bigger where can you go to be inspired can you go to a talk somewhere can you go online and just listen to what people are doing that making magic i mean i i often think of joss whedon who of course made uh buffy an angel uh, and how he managed to do that fantastic black and white um much ado about nothing which you know won a toronto film festival award in the middle of editing the marvel the avengers it, it, you, it's about you need to get away from these people who are just too depressing and dark and you've got to get out there and make some dreams happen and you'll do that by surrounding yourself with people who are already doing it lesson three no room for perfection or perfectionism what are you what are you hanging on to i mean i know myself i finally popped my 
album that I did a few years ago onto CD Baby, so it's on iTunes. Have I done anything else with it? No, because I went to camp for two weeks and now I've died. But, <laughs> not literally. But what are you hanging on to? Just get it out there, move it forward. Next, next, next. We've got to stop hanging on here. Lesson four, you've got to do the work or someone else will grab the opportunity. Whatever it is, whatever your idea is. I mean, I've got this idea now for my next solo theatre show. And I've heard someone's got not the same idea, but it, 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 there's a kind of par- parallel that someone else is doing something. So I'm really, this is why I'm right. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. On we go. The next, some live to party, others live to dream, some go to work. It's your choice about how you want to use your energy. What are you going to do about that? How are you going to use your energy today? Yes, I think it's important to socialise, but there's always a, a limit. Uh, lesson six, someone out there will love your work, so don't give up. Just go, go looking for them. I mean, this is why Twitter, I love Twitter so much. You can, with the hashtags and everything else, you can find your tribe or build your own tribe. To quote um, Seth Godin, so much easier now. So just keep doing the work you need to do. Keep getting better. Keep putting it out there and keep connecting. Seven, get your elevator pitch updated. Well, I've got to rewrite mine again, but um, don't do what I did. Um, and lesson eight, it's reconnection, not desperately shoving business cards. Who can you reconnect with? Who can you go through there? Um, can you go through all the people that you've worked with over the last few years? And just think if you could send an email just to say hi, maybe a newsletter, a chat. I mean, I'm now thinking about producing. Well, I'm not thinking about producing. I'm going to produce. So, of course, I've got a different conversation level to have with some people and lots to learn. And, yes, part of me is terrified, but, it, it, you know, what is the obvious. If I want this solo theatre piece I'm doing to work, it makes more sense to go and do a short film version of it as well, if I can. So, so I hope you enjoyed this. If you like the podcast, please do rate us on iTunes. Us. That's the royal us, I think. Um... You, you can give me a five-star review if you like it, or, or you can give me no if you hate, hate it. Um, and obviously, keep keep with the blog. I'm still in the middle of, well, at the beginning stages of my 100 days of being an actress, but it's very much not about being an actor. It's about being a working creative. For me now, it's about coming home, resting and reforging on, and it's taken me a few days. So whatever you're doing today, I hope you're taking your dreams very seriously, because you know what? That's what Can taught me. Take your dreams seriously. Do it. Focus. And from the, from the beginning to the end, and then it's don't just get it finished. You then got to get the sales out there, get the marketing, all the things. And I I've tried all of them and done well and failed also all of them at various points. Um, so just go out there and make your dreams happen, and uh, and then with this project, and then you start again. So thank you for listening. Um, you don't know how much I appreciate you knowing that you're there because I know I know you you guys are out there making stuff. So make something and then sell it. And then let me know. <laughs> this is Marisha Trembetska for Love Your Creativity. Thanks. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas. Je vois la vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, les mots les toujours. Je vois là quelque chose Il est entré dans mon cœur Pour ne pas de bonheur Dont je connais la cause C'est lui pour moi, moi pour lui dans la vie Il me l'a 
s'asseoir Alors je sens en moi Mon cœur qui bat I thought that love was just a word They sang about in songs I heard It took your kisses to reveal I was wrong And love is real Hold me close and hold me fast This magic that you cast This is la Close my eyes, I see la vie en rose. When you press me to your heart, I see a world apart, a world of rosy hue. And when you speak, angels sing from above. Seem to turn into love songs Give your heart and soul to me And life will always be La vie oh.